Well, on November 1st, I walked in to Walmart. Remember now, this is the day after Halloween. Yes, I definitely noticed all the discounted Reese's peanut butter pumpkins. But I also, trust me, I noticed those. But, uh, but it was also abundantly clear to me that Walmart was so over Halloween already. So over Halloween already. Towering high above the store were the giant inflatable frosty Rudolph Santa characters for your front yard. There were rows and rows already of bows and boxes and packages and tags and decorations. Rows of, of, of lights, interior lights, exterior Christmas lights. Row of, of artificial Christmas trees. If I'd had Christmas music playing in headphones as I walked through that section of the store, I practically would have been transported to the North Pole. And that's when I realized what I think I've known for a while, that I was being told and sold that November and December are one big, long holiday season. The holidays is basically like one-sixth of the year. <laughs> One big, crazy, hectic, saturated season. And the preparation for Jesus becomes lost in the preparation for Christmas. This also means that it won't be long until the Merry Christmas police come out in full force reminding everyone that they want to be told Merry Christmas and most definitely not Happy Holidays. We have to keep Christ in Christmas, which I totally agree with, just not in that particular strategy perhaps to, to do so. But I actually wonder how we might also keep the holy in holidays too. How we might keep the holy in holidays now, the word holiday comes from an old English word that means holy days. And in the church calendar, we, we call this season before Christmas Advent, which means coming. It means coming. It's supposed to be a season of anticipation, preparation, hope for the coming of Christ, for the coming of God with us. In other words, this time prior to Christmas is the holidays, but it's supposed to be holy days, a holy season. But if you're anything like me, sometimes I left, I'm left wondering kind of where, where the holy is. This time can seem anything but holy. We wear ourselves thin, rushing to and fro. We mindlessly buy all this stuff. We mindlessly eat all this stuff. We look for some kind of magic of the season that still leaves us wanting. Our overstuffed Novembers and Decembers leave us wanting more. Our hyperconsumption leaves us empty. We worship less. We spend more. We give less. We struggle more. Our time and our nerves stretch thin. We stress about family and family dynamics. We say things we later regret. And before we know it, before we know it, we have missed out on the wonder, the mystery, the holiness, the holiness of God's miraculous birth among us. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Really? This 
this can't be right. The thing is, it, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. So this year, I invite us to, to consider how we might rediscover the holiness of this season. How we might make the holidays holy days. Over the next four Sundays of Advent, we're going to be looking at Scripture for help. Today, the holidays become holy days when we look for the light that is shining. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us, transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we might bear fruit for you. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture uh, lesson this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. I invite you to listen for God's word, and you can follow along on the screen. The prophet Isaiah says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor, because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned, fuel for the fire. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom. Establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Light is a very powerful thing. Light from the sun makes life possible. Light allows us to see the, the light of a flashlight guides our, our path when it's dark with its beam. And the light of a lighthouse guides ships safely to shore. The light of even just a singular candle in a, in a dark room makes a huge, huge difference. We gaze up in wonder right at the, at the millions upon billions of pinpricks of light in the night sky from all of the, the stars. This time of year, we put lights on, on trees and in our windows, and some people way more than others. Light gives us life. Light gives us hope. Light gives comfort. Light is a powerful thing. So is the absence of light, what we call darkness. When it's dark, it's hard to see. And when it's hard to see, we become anxious, fearful, afraid. We associate the darkness with the, with the hidden the unknown, the bad, the gloomy. And we all know what it's like to, to feel like you're living in the dark. Like you've lost hope. Like you're overcome with grief, despair, sadness, guilt. When it feels like there is this shadow lurking, hanging over you. You don't know which, which way to turn. The dark can be a powerful thing too. But it doesn't take much light to chase it away. So what incredibly good news then when the prophet Isaiah proclaims. What he proclaims when he says that the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in a pitch dark land. Light has dawned. Israel 
Israel had been defeated over and over again, it seemed, by, by its enemies. And this time it was the Assyrians who had taken over. And once again, they felt like God had, well, had just abandoned them. They knew what it was to dwell in the darkness and to struggle to see light. Everything, everything seemed dark. However, like the time right before the dawn, when the first beams of light start to come across the horizon, Isaiah is telling God's people, look, hey, hey, look over there. There is light. Look for it. Look at it. And what is that light? It's the promise of a Messiah, of a Savior, of a King, the one who Christians would would later interpret to be Jesus. So for the prophet to speak of light shining in the darkness is to speak of God's persistent presence in the world. For the prophet to speak of light shining in the darkness is to speak of God's persistent presence in the world. That's a powerful thing. I wonder if that promise, if that great light that, that dawned on Israel caused them to look more places for the light. In other words, I wonder if it, it opened up the eyes of their hearts just enough to see God shining in more places than they, they had noticed before or expected. Like, oh, the God is persistently present over here. Oh, God, God is at work in the world over here, too. They managed to look out on a world no less confusing or corrupt or, or cruel than ours and, and saw God at work in it. Israel was waiting for a savior and, and maybe that, that light that they're seeing, that dawn that is breaking after living in the darkness is just what they needed to, to keep going. What would it mean for us to look for the light that is shining? I don't mean your neighbor's house all decked out in Christmas lights. I mean, what would it mean for us to look for God's light shining this holy day season? If looking for God's light would be to see where God is persistently present, then that would mean looking for places, spaces, situations in which God is doing something in the world, working in it, giving hope and giving comfort and giving love and joy, peace, justice. I grew up with a family tradition that we've continued with the boys. We make some hot chocolate. We get into the car. And we drive around to look at Christmas lights all over, this, all over the area. And we knew always the, the best houses in town, where to go to see the best lights. There's some spectacular light displays around here, and I'm sure many of you go on a quest or do something similar every year. But did you know now they have Google Maps dedicated to helping you find and locate the best light? Seriously, the Google Map shows the location of the houses with the best light displays. What, what if there were a Google Map that showed the places where God's light was shining? What if there were a Google map with points on it that show where someone or some group of people who were living in darkness, whatever kind, had seen a great light? 
We're someone who, for whatever reason, was in the darkness and saw that light break through. Hope in the midst of despair. Love in the midst of, of doubts. Peace in the midst of pain. Community in the midst of loneliness. God's very presence. Where would those spots be? Where would those spots be? Would there be some here? What if we went there? What if we wanted to be there too in the light? What if we searched for God's light shining as diligently as we looked for Christmas light displays? What if we looked for and pursued the places where God's light was persistently shining as intentionally as we did that perfect gift? I, I can't help but wonder if many of the spots that would show up on that Google map would be you and me. Where God's light dawned in our lives. Where we were in a dark place and suddenly it was like a, a candle was lit. And, and we realized that while things weren't magically just fixed, that we were not alone. That the dark wasn't so dark anymore. We had hope. We had a peace that we couldn't explain. A love that would not let us go. I can't help but wonder if we ourselves are reflections of that light that has dawned, shining so that others can see and find their way out of the dark. Light is a powerful thing. God's presence, God's persistent presence is a powerful thing. Where do you look for God's light? Where do you see it? God's persistent presence. I saw God's light shining on Jeopardy, believe it or not. As you probably know, the longtime host, Alex Trebek, has cancer, and he's continued to host, and uh, even with the diagnosis and treatment. And on this particular episode, well, I'll, I'll show you what happens. After Google Chrome uh, advertises for us. It's Netflix time. Watch Netflix offline. Switch to Chromebook. Which of these three players gets to come back in three days to play for a quarter million dollars? They're dealing with famous phrases and this clue. In the title of a groundbreaking 1890 expose of poverty in New York City slums, these three words follow how the. 30 seconds. Good luck. Which of these three The interesting thing about this, by the way, while we wait, is that thanks to my college, uh, college English class, I actually need to answer this final definite question. So that's not the point, but. Drove your smiling. I like that. Let's take a look at your response. Did you come up with the right one? No? What is, we love you, Alex? That's very kind. <laughs> Thank you. Cost you $19.95. You're left with five bucks. Okay. That's all we need to see, Jeff. We love you, Alex. You can see him get choked up. I look at that and I see the presence of God. 
but not just there. I saw God's light dawning in the courageous Bible study we just had on racism. I saw it uh, when folks braved sitting around a table together to reconcile a relationship. I saw it the other night when my son in his prayer said that, that he hoped that people who were worried about money wouldn't worry so much and that people would trust God even when it's hard. This the same week, incidentally, when we had to replace our downstairs furnace and the church just finished the 2020 budget. I see God's light every time we gather together with our B3 group. I see it in the midst of tutoring at Sanford Creek Elementary School. I see it in the eyes of people who are finding God and community again. I see it every time that we pass the peace here in worship and pray that we're passing it in the community too. For the holidays to be holy, we need more of that. We need more of that. We need to be consumed with, we need to bear witness to, participate in those kinds of moments. We need to be on notice for God's light shining and go to it. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in deep darkness, light has dawned. Light is a powerful thing. God's persistent presence is a powerful thing. Hard part? Hard part is that sometimes the most difficult and dark places are precisely where God's light shines through. Sometimes we have to stare stubbornly into the darkness of our own lives or the world around us until we see the light. And sometimes it is in those places that it shines most brilliantly. Recently went camping with, with Gabriel for, for the first time. And we went to Stone Mountain State Park here in North Carolina. It was a very clear, cold, crisp weekend. And that night on the way to the, to the, to the bathrooms, uh, walking there, I looked up. I was just stunned. Just stunned. I mean, the sky was pitch black. There was no artificial light anywhere. And the stars, I've never seen so many stars so clearly in, in my life. It looked like someone had just like flung glitter dust on a black piece of paper. I could see the starlight so clearly, precisely because of, not in spite of, how dark it was. Sometimes I th we think it's hard to look for and see God's light because we think it's too dark. Just too dark. Whatever that dark might be, and for some, this time of year can even be that way. But maybe it's harder to look for and see God's light, not because it's too dark, but because there are too many other artificial lights. Especially this time of year. Things that promise to brighten up our world, our lives that come up empty. Artificial lights that flicker for a while and then they die like a cheap strand of bulbs. But these days to be holy, we have to make sure that we're looking for the right light. The real light that has come into the world. The one about whom it is written, the light shines into the world, into the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Friends, we have to look for the places where God's light is shining in our own lives, in the lives of others, and in our world. We need to be aware of where God is persistently present, even in the dark. And then we need to not waste a second in stepping into or reflecting that light ourselves. You might need that persistent presence of God in your life. You might need to be the bearer, the reflector of God's light to someone else so that they see it this season. Light is a powerful thing.
And if we look for it, if we look for God's light and step into it this season, we might just find these days to be a bit more holy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.